0: Big race in New Hampshire last night, Donald Trump beating Nikki Haley. Closer than I think some of the pollsters are uh, indicating. Thought it would be a good chance to talk to my friend Nicholas Sarwark. He's the former chair of the Libertarian Party from 2014 to 2020, who joins us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Good morning, Nicholas. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I am good. So you live in New Hampshire. You're a voter. What do you think about all this uh, developments last night?
1: You know, uh, there weren't a lot of surprises. In last night's race, uh, I think one of the NPR commenters actually said that it was the most boring primary she's ever covered. Um, Nikki Haley did, you know, about 3% better than she was expected to, um, primarily by appealing to college-educated voters. The problem was she did about 9% worse than she needed to with non-college-educated voters, which are the people who control the Republican primary, um, and she was about 75-25 with actual registered Republicans. Basically, the New Hampshire results show that independents don't like Trump, and Republicans do like Trump. And I don't see a path for Nikki Haley. I'm not even sure that she makes it to South Carolina.
0: What do you think of the policy side of these primary discussions, caucus discussions in Iowa? Because I know you're a policy guy from the libertarian side of things. Is there a really intelligent conversation happening as part of this run up to the nomination or is it just basically, you know, insane political ads, you know, pep rallies, you know, held by the candidates and then some of like the I want to get your specific comments about some of the uh, the stuff that, that would happen on stage with Donald Trump last night after he won the primary last night. I mean, just give me a sense of what you think
1: about the policy side of all of this. You know, it's funny. There really hasn't been much policy discussion. And to the extent that people have tried a little bit, um, it's usually based on just falsehoods. The, the, the real question that's coming up for Republicans is, do they want to win the general election or do they want to have another shot at, at Donald Trump? Do they, do they want to follow him into battle Or do they want to win with independent voters? And they're conflicting visions. And you saw this with Haley uh, in New Hampshire. She both is attacking Donald Trump more than she used to. But she also said in an interview uh, the day of the election, before the polls closed, that if he's nominated, she'll support him. uh, Which is an inconsistent message. And I think that inconsistency puts a hard ceiling on her. They haven't really gotten to policy. Um, it's just vibes right now.
0: What do you think of the decision by Nikki Haley to stay in? You just mentioned South Carolina. It's it's a month away. I'm trying to think if she truly wants to bloody Donald Trump's campaign chances. And I, I want I'll answer your question. To me, this is this is a rehash of. If you nominate Trump, you're going to own the libs for the nomination process. You're going to fail miserably in the general election because you have, as you said, not won over the independents that you need to, to win a general election, which I guess if the owning the libs part is that important to you, congratulations. But I, as a Republican, I would much rather win the win the general election and be represented in the Oval Office. That's my take.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is Donald Trump and his supporters didn't lose the last election in their minds. And so they don't see it as a repeated loss. They don't think they lost. So if you if you just have a different reality, you're going to come to incorrect conclusions.
0: Well, you and I live in the real world. What does a libertarian think about that 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 fake reality, that alternate uh, reality that some of those folks are living in?
1: It, it's going to be interesting. I think the reason Haley didn't drop last night is one, uh, new hampshire takes a long time to come in because of the towns and Mm -hmm. so it wasn't really clear how far down she was although it appears to have settled out at 12 points back which is double digits people were saying before new hampshire that if she was away by double digits she couldn't stay in there's no path that's still true but uh reportedly she's got a meeting in new york city with some money people on the 30th of the month and i think she wants to go to that meeting Um, and then it's going to depend on how much money is available because there's a real logistical question now. You know, I get that a lot of independents and people who are no longer in the Republican Party, a lot of libertarians, honestly, want to bloody Trump. There's just a real question of whether Haley can do it. She does not resonate with Republican primary voters, and she's going into Republican primaries that are closed. New Hampshire is the best state that she's got on her calendar and it's the worst for trump and he beat her by 12 points you know that reality is going to sink in and a lot of these guys with money are going to realize that they would be better served doing something else to achieve their goals nicholas
0: sarwark joining us he's the former chair of the libertarian party national party uh, from 2014 to 2020 uh libertarians Talk about that. Yeah. Let's, let's just, let's think about that alternative. Cause I know you've been active in that, with that organization for a long time. Talk about that, the reality of what you think when it comes to some of the policy stuff that isn't being talked about among the Democrats yeah. and Republicans.
1: So the the hard facts are, it's gonna be a rematch between Biden and Trump. All American voters are familiar with both men as president. It is a rematch that is deeply unpopular. Uh, in the same sense that you'd prefer not to have bad weather, people would prefer not to go through the same election twice. Um, In the same way, you wouldn't want to watch a movie another time if it wasn't that good. But what it does and the opportunity, the Libertarian Party will nominate a presidential candidate in May in Washington, D.C. That's the last meaningful political contest at the national level at this stage in the election. And I think You're going to see more of a realization of that, that the libertarian candidate being on the ballot in all 50 states or maybe 48, 49 is going to present a third option. And much like Gary Johnson and Bill Weld in 2016, when you get deeply unpopular candidates, a lot of independent voters are going to be looking for the exits. And I think a a libertarian candidate who Focused on things like really dealing with immigration in a positive way, uh, because that's been the key to economic growth in America for every time we've had open immigration, we've done better. And every time we've had closed immigration, we've done worse. And dealing with the the failed war on drugs and criminal justice reform, I think those are issues that neither Trump or Biden are going to talk about. And there's a real third path there for something that can replace what the Republican Party maybe used to be, right? All those people who left during the Trump years, they're still around. They just haven't landed anywhere. And I think there's a great opportunity there to have a policy-focused party that finds that common ground between the right and the left and the center and just works on things that are good for everybody and and leaves the the culture wars to, I mean, the Republicans and Democrats do fine at it. I I say leave it to them. (laughs)
0: um it is 2024 already it's january who are the candidates potential candidates for the nomination for libertarians
1: um there are a few i think there's four or five uh, it's typically a kind of a messy race because it's all done at state conventions around the country and little hotel ballrooms and stuff um one of them is chase oliver he was a senate candidate in georgia forced a runoff in the 2022 election um Another is Lars Mapstead from California. He's a business uh, business owner, um, who's in advertising, and has put in a lot of his own funds into the campaign. And they've been crisscrossing the country, working on ballot access, talking to libertarians, mostly internal conversations. I think after May, whoever the party comes down with, they'll need to shape a message that can resonate with the center of the country. And is less internally focused. And I think that's the real shift that could present an opportunity if the message is resonant with the center instead of being esoteric, you know, kind of fringe stuff.
0: What do you make of the effort of the no no labels party?
1: I think I understand that the desire, right? The desire is they see the same problem that we just talked about that the the Republicans and the Democrats are putting up candidates with really strong negatives and they want something else. The problem is Americans don't seem to want a moderate, non-aligned candidate. Um, There have been efforts by Americans-elect and a couple of other groups over the years to try and really find some sort of moderate, mushy middle. And it just never, never works. Americans feel strongly about stuff. They're not really kind of like whatever. They want a candidate that speaks to the issues that matter to them and knows what they believe. And I think that's something Trump definitely tapped into, at least in his first election, the one he won. He spoke to something that people hadn't heard for a while, even if it wasn't necessarily nice they got passionate about it and felt like he, he was behind them. Uh, I think No Label struggles with that because most of their potential candidates are people who have left the Republican Party and would be unable to, um, to close the deal with the voters, right? They were unable to close the deal within their own party or it's people like Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema who are unpopular with the Democratic Party I just think that outsider that outsider thing without any substance to it is likely to run out of gas pretty fast.
0: I'll close with a fun one. We haven't had our primary yet, but you've just gone through this. How bad was the barrage of the, the political ads on TV and, and radio? Uh,
1: not so much TV and radio. I mean, uh, a lot of interstitials on anything that you looked at on YouTube or right. on the Internet. And we were getting, and this is typical for New Hampshire um, in the presidential primary, we were receiving three or four or five of those big glossy slicks every single day, (laughs) 15 text messages a day. Um, The amount of money that went into getting Haley, her 43%, is really staggering. Um, But it doesn't appear to have put a dent, and I think that's going to be the harsh reality You know, you may not have Nikki Haley by the time your primary comes, and your primary may be very boring.
0: Yeah, that's my expectation. Nicholas, always great to talk to you. And and we were uh, chatting offline where I want to bring you back for the podcast because I want to ask you the question. I'm not going to ask you today. I'll let you formulate your opinion on what's going to happen with Trump-Biden 2.0. Always appreciate you. Nicholas Sarwark, former chair of the uh, Libertarian Party. What's your current uh, role now?
1: I'm an executive director for the Libertarian Policy Institute, uh, which – we focus just on the policy in a nonpartisan way, which is a lot easier and more, uh, you know, it's less fighting than I used
0: to do. It's nice. <laughs> Always appreciate your wisdom, my friend. Uh, enjoy the conversations.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. Nicholas Sarwark, he's the, as he said, the former chair of the uh, Libertarian Party. I just thought it'd be interesting to see his perspective as somebody who uh, who voted in New Hampshire and, and participated in this process. It's uh, an interesting time in our in our country.